Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets2 Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton here with you on Veteran Voices. Welcome to today's episode. You are in for a very special treat, maybe selfishly, but I've got two of my uh, dear colleagues and friends from my days uh, when I served in active duty with the United States Air Force. And I'm, I'm afforded the opportunity to rekindle that relationship and, and catch up with them for the first time in years here via our podcast. So thanks for joining us and really looking forward to this conversation. Promises to be an intriguing conversation, at least for one of us, at least for me, maybe. <laughs> Quick programming note before we get started here. Hey, this program is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming. Uh, you can find Veteran Voices anywhere you get your podcast from. And it's produced in conjunction with our friends at Vets2 Industry. It's a fantastic nonprofit that's helping veterans find their own way in, in an ever-challenging transition. You can learn more at Vets2Industry.com. All right, with no further ado, I want to bring in my two featured guests uh, here tonight. It is Troy Boozer and Bruce Gillen. Good evening to you both. Good evening, Scott. How are you? <laughs> Man, I, I tell y'all, I've been looking forward to this uh, ever since I thought I might have had both of you confirmed. Had to work through your agents and, and your press <laughs> teams, and that's okay. We're used to doing that. But I'm really I'm really excited about the conversation. Just the opportunity to catch up with, with two people that were instrumental during my time in uniform, for sure. So, all right, so let's, let's get started. And I'll start with you, Troy. Okay. Tell us, you know, I know a good bit about you both, but for the sake of our audience and, and you know, them kind of getting a sense of who you are, Troy, tell us where you're from and give us an anecdote or two about your upbringing. Well, I was born and raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina, military town. We had the Army and the Air Force. The Air Force Base was uh, closed since then, but had the Army and the Air Force there, so I was used to seeing military. My father was in the Air Force for a little bit, so I grew up there, played a lot of sports, Pretty much played every sport. This is that's something, you know, that that was big in our family. So uh, I don't know if I have any cool anecdotes, Scott. <laughs> what was so beyond playing sports growing up? What was one thing on the weekends that it wasn't a weekend unless you got to do it? Yeah. So I've been married twenty three years, and that might get me in trouble if I answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, you were you were a huge athlete when we worked together for a couple of years and, yeah. and maybe we'll touch on some of those teams that we played on where you were the MVP and uh, <laughs> I was lucky to get in on the action on the one play here, one play there. But so let's, before we circle back on what made you join the military, Bruce, I'll come over to you. Tell us, you know, where you grew up and, you know, give us a couple of anecdotes about your upbringing. Oh, well, kind of like Troy. My dad was Air Force and we followed him around. Born in Colorado Springs, he, within about four years, got stationed up at uh, Ielson, up in Fairbanks, uh, about 22 miles out of Fairbanks. So a lot of our, my, my time growing up was spent outdoors with my little brother. We'd go out and just run the woods day in, day out, and every day. And it was a, it was a happy, simple time, but, uh, you build forts, you had dirt bomb wars. What would you do outside? What was the what was the go-to? <laughs> yeah, we did have dirt bomb wars because they always, <laughs> whenever they hit, that you could tell because it, it, uh, it poofed on them. Right. But yeah, yeah we played G.I. Joe. The funny thing is back then uh, we had F-4s flying overhead. Used to, I, I, was, I was used to growing up with uh, military surroundings, but we always played Army, the Bionic Man. <laughs> if you remember that. <laughs> well you know troy for your lack of anecdotes we got plenty from bruce so i love that so <laughs> so much to ask y'all about so little time all right so troy uh tell us circling back to you what made clearly military it sounds like it ran your family but why did you join the military man i be honest with you i had a wife and a daughter to take care of and i, I knew i'd be able to learn a trade or some type of skill while I'm getting paid to do it. 
I would get some benefits, you know, for school and stuff like that because I wanted to because I played college basketball for a year and then left left school after that year. But I wanted to finish my degree and I knew I'd be able to do that in the service. So being able to take care of the family was the primary thing. And I <laughs> I do remember now I don't want to make any of the veterans upset, but I'm a, I'll tell the story anyway. OK, <laughs> okay. so where the, the recruiting station where I went, the Air Force was like all the way in the back. So when you walk through the door, you have four offices and the Air Force was all the way in the back. And I already knew I wanted to join the Air Force. Uh, so when I come through the door, first guy that comes out is the Army guy. He says, hey, you here to, to join the Army? I said, no. I uh, came to talk to the Air Force. And they, they said, OK, if you ever change your mind, there's a place for you in the Army. I said, OK, I appreciate that. Next is the Navy. So the Navy guy comes out and uh, <laughs> same spiel. You know, and I'm like, no, not real fond of being on boats and stuff like that. So <laughs> he talked to the Air Force guy and his thing was, hey, if you change your mind, you know where to find us. So I get to the third office and the Marine guy is already standing outside. And he starts to approach me. And I'm like, man, you must be crazy. <laughs> 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 I just kept walking past. I, I, I apologize to all my Marine buddies and stuff like that. But- I already knew that the Marine life was not for me. You uh, couldn't so, even make eye contact with it. You had to keep no, on going. I had to uh, keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. Sergeant Fox was my recruiter. And, boy, if we had a video recorder of the stories I heard and, and how li- how good life was going to be. Yeah. But, oh, man, yeah. That, that's always a running gag. And, and, the, and the men and women that recruit, they've got a tough job to do. So they do a great job. All right. So Bruce, you mentioned you know, your father served. I'd forgotten that, but why'd you why'd you join the Air Force? Actually, I'm not as well put together as Troy was. Responsible and having people take care of, thinking of college and whatnot. My my story is is uh, my brother was going into the Air Force. It's like, well, I'll, I'll take along with you. He said, well, you know, you know, go ahead, take the ASVAB test. So I took the ASVAB. He goes, oh, okay. So uh, after that, he said, well, let's go to the recruiter. It's like, sure, I got nothing else to do. I mean. <laughs> I was I was halfway through my my senior year in high school, and so uh, I, I followed my older brother. Is what I did. If he went if he went to the Marines, I would have been a Marine. <laughs> wow! But thankfully, he didn't. He went to the Air Force, and I followed him. The uh, recruiter, old Dracopolis, was my uh, recruiter's name, and uh, he said, "You guys go in the buddy system. The two of you stay together, you know, for at least the first four to six years." I was like, "That's awesome!" So. Uh, we went in, he went in before Thanksgiving. I went in in uh, the following March of uh, 83 and uh, they sent them to Arizona and they sent me to Alaska. They both start and end with an A. Uh, <laughs> that was the closest we came for a long time. <laughs> hey, but the buddy system the get together all the way, just about 4,000 miles in between or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <Close enough. laughs> the remote buddy system. Right. You didn't, you didn't read the ultra fine two millimeter print on that buddy system program maybe <laughs> yeah. so let's let's talk about um so we all worked together i think during my full two years we were all together uh, there at mccall air force base but but both of y'all had you know certainly careers before i came on station and certainly long after let's start with you bruce what did you when you joined the air force what was your afac because i think you transitioned into um into where we worked together didn't you Oh, no. Um, actually, I was a, a 391. I, I, I stayed a 391 the, the entire time. Well, actually, when I first went in, it was a 391. And then we transitioned to a 2RO. It was the same career. Uh, they just changed the AFSC on us. But yeah, that was, we had just left Alaska in 99. Andre and I did. And uh, we showed up at McConnell. But that was, uh, that was an awesome office. I, I really have to say it was that was one of the best group of people I had the privilege of working with. You guys were hilarious. Uh, mostly <laughs> watching you two go at it was, was entertaining for me. <laughs> and when we get to the anecdotes, there's a couple of them I wanted to bring back up. That's good. That's hey, that's that's to be expected. But just to clarify for, for folks that may not know, so McConnell Air Force Base, Kansas is, is in Wichita, right? And uh, what Bruce was just saying, I guess 391 was before they reclassified the AFSCs. So you were a lifetime, basically a lifetime data analyst then, Bruce. Is that right in the Air Force? Yes. 
I went in three years into it. I said, I got to cross train. I got to get out of this. <laughs> and the funny thing is, there's only certain times you could apply. And every time I applied for it, they said, ah, your AFSC is in a shortage for your rank. So you got to stay. So after 17 years of fighting it, I decided to say, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to stay an analyst. <laughs> so I did. And you retired an analyst then, right? I retired an analyst, right, Adam McConnell. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, Troy, what about you? Were you all also a lifetime analyst? What, 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 where did you start your career? Same thing. 2R from the beginning. Had no clue what it was. I remember when uh, everybody was getting assignments and stuff like that uh, when I was in basic training. My only thing was because I went in open general and everybody in my squadron was getting SP. Everybody was going, you know, cops. And I'm like, uh, just don't let it be. <laughs> you know, so I opened up the envelope and I saw two RO and I'm like, cool. It's not SP. So maintenance <laughs> data systems analyst. I'm like, what in the world is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I went to my TI and uh, I asked him about it. He was a fuel cell guy. And I asked him about it and he's like, I have, I don't have a clue. So I, I couldn't tell you. So I had no help whatsoever when it came to that. But yeah, I, I started out in the career field. Um, and in my eight years, uh, you know, I finished off after eight years in that career field. So had a blast. A yes, good time. Agreed. And and to back to Bruce's point, that was a, a family in that office. And it was. you know, we all came from different walks of life. We're all kind of geared differently personality wise, but we but folks really enjoy being around each other. And if you if you think back, at least when I was there for those two years, you know, that's when nine eleven hit, which I we we're gonna touch on here momentarily. And you know, when you needed, no one knew what was taking place. Everybody was angry. You know, that, that was a tough time and, and it was great to have kind of a family away from family. Yeah. So let's, let, you know, speaking of which, some of those personalities and, and <laughs> please don't, when you answer this question, you know, you can, from any of your stops, any of the offices you worked in, but Troy, I'll stick with you. What, who are some of the folks that you loved, really enjoyed working with, whether you worked aside for, you know, beside them or they worked for you or folks you may have worked for? Who, who are some of those people? So obviously, Scott, you're one of them. Larry, when he was there, I think that was before uh, Larry got out before uh, both of you guys got there. I did enjoy working with uh, McCall, um, and I actually talked to him today. Uh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, I, I I I talked to him today. I talked to Route yesterday. I talked to Wong last week. <laughs> uh, oh so man! I, yeah, I try to keep you know, you know try to keep up with people the best I can, but. I, I tell everybody when we talk about the office and stuff like that, I tell them Bruce was my favorite person to work with. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> I tell I'm the guy tell everybody that. Because you're a lot of fun, man. You were pretty easy going. You like to have a good time. I mean, everybody in there was kind of like that, but it was just it's a little bit different with you. So I, I tell everybody Bruce is my favorite person to work with in that office. So well, uh, thank you. I, I think, yeah, you remember. You remember those times going over to the AGS squadron and playing gauntlet, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. playing arcades and stuff like that. We supposed to be working over there playing gauntlet. So, uh, <laughs> so, all right, you got to explain it. Did they have an arcade in yeah, the air ground they, squadron? They yeah, they had a couple of arcade games. You remember when they, they rebuilt the AGS squadron? But I used to tell Bruce, I said, look, if you if you get a folder and you walk like you have a sense of purpose, everybody's gonna think you're working. They they won't you can do anything you want. You can go to the shop at, you can go to the commissary, you can do anything you want. As long as you have a folder in your hand, people are gonna think you're working. So we used to go over to the, we used to go over to the ADS squadron and they had the big box arcade games. And Gauntlet was actually a pretty fun game anyway. So uh cat's out the bag, but Every so often we sneak over there and go play gauntlet for a little while. So, yeah. So Bruce, Bruce was actually my favorite person to work with. Uh, I, you know, that he throughout my time there, you never saw Bruce Gillen mad. Not, nah. not, never hardly frustrated. I mean, you talk about as even kill and laid yeah. back as you can get, and that you need someone like that in Absolutely. offices. It, it. it you know, even in the toughest days, it kind of lowers the pressure a little bit. And, and you could have sidebar conversations and they were therapeutic. So, yeah. uh, Bruce, you've got a bunch of fans in terms of your approach. But I want to go back to Troy for a minute because 
as he was just sharing a moment ago, as Troy checks in on folks, man, you, that, that is so you're, – you're always the captain of the team, and you're always looking out <laughs> for, for your colleagues and your teammates. And that's why it doesn't surprise me. Now we're going to touch on what you're doing now, but, but you know, shepherding your flock. I mean, that is so core to who you are, and, and that, yeah. that was really important as well during my time. So let's switch over, Bruce, and you tell us about some of, some of your favorite colleagues through your time in the Air Force. All right. And I don't want this to make it sound like some kind of mutual admiration club. <laughs> can't have that. Because <laughs> it's not. But you guys were awesome. It, and McCall, I was thinking of McCall, Wong. Who was the Kim, couple that got married? Uh, Prejetas. Yeah. Prejetas and uh, I can't remember the, the girl's name. She Trish. was. Uh, Her name was Yeah. Trish. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, uh you guys were a fantastic group. And the, and the good thing is everybody had a role in that family to play and everybody did it well. Like you said, Troy was always the one looking out after everybody. He was, he was the wisdom. He was the one that would, you know, it's like, Hey, if you got a fold in your hand and it looks like you're doing something, they're going to leave you alone. So we go over there and we play, we play gauntlet. As a matter of fact, I jacked up my left shoulder and it still hurts to this day. <laughs> playing gauntlet over there. That must've been a serious game of gauntlet. <laughs> it was i checked my shoulder up bad i don't i don't know if i told you but it went numb for a while but uh and, and scott you guys were solid folks to work with it was everybody had each other's back and that is hard so hard to find i you know i worked with a lot of good people but i can't say that i had that relationship with them like i did with you guys mm. where i knew you we, we were there for each other and we were there to do the mission and we did it and we did it well Agree. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well said. Well said. You know, uh, I re- one of my greatest regrets is not being there when Larry was in that office. Uh, oh Larry God. was one of the <laughs> great, funniest and just the coolest people to be around on our weekend golf matches. Uh, Troy, and yeah. just a sense of humor, just a natural sense of humor, and some of the stories yeah. y'all shared about him. But Sergeant Dawey, of course. Absolutely. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Dawey. Yep. Bennett, uh, I'm sorry, Benner. My son's name is Bennett. So, but Ryan Benner, who who I think Ryan recently Benner, retired, yeah. recently retired sergeant, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Airman oh, Kim. Man. If you remember Daniel Kim. Yeah. Yeah, Kim. Yep. And Gold uh, Terrence. What was Terrence's yeah. last name? Uh, Goldsmith. I caught I caught up to him uh probably about a month ago. I called up to Goldsmith. Yeah, good guy. Just a bunch, uh, just a, gr- a bunch of great guys, and of course, uh, he's no longer with us. But Jeremy Cross, um, yeah. you know, when oh, I got on, yeah. when I got on station and was was you know I'd already been in the Air Force once, but I had four and a half years of your traditional college experience prior to that coming back in active duty. And from the time I set foot, he was he was basically um, you know guiding me, running me on the checklist, all the in processing y- y'all. I'm sure you're well aware of, and and just you know give me a lay of the land and in a way that only Jeremy Cross could do. And 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 so incredible, just incredible people to work with, special special people. All right, so I want to ask you both, and and both of y'all are are modest, uh, except when Troy's on the um, softball field or the basketball. Uh, I, learned, I learned that that's okay. He, he had plenty of, he had more talent in his pinky than I've, I've ever had through my church softball legendary days. And I use that term very loosely, but Troy, you know, y- y'all, neither one of y'all talk about each other or yourselves a lot, but what's one thing, what's one accomplishment during your time in, mil- in, in the air force that you really point to that you're real proud of and you'll be telling your kids and your grandkids about. For me, that was pretty easy. Um, it was gaining the respect of my peers. When I, I saw the question that you sent out, and I thought I was going to have to think about it, you know, for a little bit, it, it was, for me, it was easy. When I got the respect of my peers, uh, also when I got the respect of, of people that I worked for, you know, that was, I, I did a lot of things while I was in the service, had some great opportunities. Like, I mean, right towards the end, you know, I had an opportunity to, to fill a, a slot that was for a, a master sergeant, and I was a staff, and the job was mine. Unfortunately, people that were, you know, in the squadron kind of killed that for me because <laughs> they said we were losing too many people. Mm. But uh, the commander at that, uh, you know, for that other job, uh, he told me, you know, after he had hired somebody, he had already kicked out the uh, suspense date for my package to come in and uh, he couldn't wait any longer. So he hired a, a master sergeant. And when he and I talked, I told him what happened. You know, 
He said, look, the job was yours. We were just waiting on the package to come in. And uh, that would have been a great opportunity if the E5 fill in the slot for an E7. But even with that, I had a lot of letters of recommendation from different chiefs, wing commanders, and all this kind of stuff. They spoke highly of me uh, when I was putting together a package for OTS. But even with all that, gaining the respect of my peers was easily, easily the biggest accomplishment. Yeah, I completely agree. And you got that in spades for sure. You, you always knew if you're with Troy, you weren't going to be in trouble. Uh, whether that was a data, data disagreement or, you know, whatever else stuff we did. So uh, you'd certainly earn that in spades. All right, Bruce, especially for, for you who never, it was always about other people. Uh, you both y'all yeah. had that in spades, but Bruce, what was one thing you point to that you'll always be telling your kids and grandkids about? Uh, mine, I, I had a lot of great experiences. Probably the one that I remember the most actually is, is my retirement. Because my dad was there. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, well, he passed in 07, but mm. he, uh, he he did 20. He did like 21, 22. But uh, just like Troy said, it was, uh, I I could tell he was proud of me. Mm. And, uh, and, and my mom, my wife, Andrea, was there. I had four kids at that time. I had you guys around me. It was the best one of the, the the highest points of my life was uh that retirement with you guys was was my high point and it just i can't tell you how special that was i mean to see you guys there it was i, I was surrounded by family and uh so that sorry i got choked up a little bit there no, that, uh, it's all right you hey it it both of y'all, I mean, you were, there, there were fan clubs dedicated to both of you. I mean, y'all really were special, really special people, very special friends, big time advisors, excellent, excellent, really true, genuine people. Uh, and you cared for others. And I'll tell you, you know, I was in a bad spot when I was assigned to, to Wichita. I, I was not going into it, but I was not in a good spot. And y'all two in particular, and, and of course, Wong and, and Benner and, and Kim and, and that whole gang, Dawei and, and Sergeant Jake, you know, all, all those folks, but y'all two in particular were there for me and your big reasons because of that. I'm here today, you know, because because we're all we all go through those tough times. And man, there's people you lean on, the foundation that gets you through. Yeah. Both of y'all I always have a debt of, of uh, gratitude to pay back based on, on just the abundance of friends and kindred spirits we had right here. So I appreciate what both the people, both of y'all are. And Bruce, you deserve, you know, when, so when did you retire, Bruce? I retired, uh, April 1st, Oh three. <laughs> okay. April and, Fool's day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, let's, let's let the, let's let the audience in on a little, little secret here. Cause if you heard Bruce say he had four children at the time, how many do you have now, Bruce? <laughs> Eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had four more after I retired out of the military. Well, just a, a wonderful family. And and let, let's go ahead and, and Troy, you're sharing some things about your family on the front yeah. end before we got started. It's unbelievable just how fast kids grow up and, and your two daughters to give us what where are they at in their journey? So my two daughters, the second week of December every year is birthday week. <laughs> My daughter's, their birthday is uh, December 9th and December 10th. So my youngest one on December 9th, she turned 18. And my oldest one on December 10th turned 23. So uh, I do not have any underage children anymore. They are almost out of my home. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that is incredible. It, it, you blink. Yeah. It goes fast. I, w- I will always tell people this. Some days you get home from work and you just dog tired. And the kids want to play. Go play with the kids because mm. um, that time goes by so fast and it gets to a certain point where they get a little too old and they don't want to play with dad anymore, you know? So, it, you know, spend as much time as you can, create as many memories as you can. But when they're, even if you're tired, mm. sometimes all they need is 10 minutes. Right. Sometimes that's all they need is 10 minutes of your time and, and they're content. So it doesn't matter how tired you are. Just just go play with the kids. Yeah. I don't know whoever said this this phrase. I've always the first time I heard it. It just makes so much sense, especially as a, as a father. The days are long and the years are short, and there's yeah. so much truth in that. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So on a much, much brighter note, this is going to be my favorite part, maybe of this of this episode here. And hey, to our audience, this this is really this episode's an outlier. You know, I'm going to try to explain any inside joke and really make sure y'all are part of the journey. But but <laughs> you know, Bruce and Troy, we were together. The three of us were together for two years, and then jo- Troy and Bruce were together for for many years beyond that. But so let, let's share a couple of <laughs> a couple of of recollections here. So <laughs> Troy, the first one, and, and Bruce. <laughs> I'm hoping that you can remember this too, but we put on a base talent show, Troy. Yes, I do remember. All right. So I don't remember. I, I know what we called. I think we were, we were calling it a Lubu production, right? Lubu we were production, already thinking yeah. like a production team, of course, tongue in cheek, <laughs> but I don't know if I ever, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this and I'm so glad that, that I either chickened out or maybe we had too many skits already, but a few nights before the base talent show, I was laying in my bed in the dorm and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do, do a stand-up comedy routine. And I was oh. writing down some jokes. And I was <laughs> chuckling to myself, you know, oh, that's funny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill it. And then <laughs> I, saw the, I, I saw what I wrote down a day or two later and either I chickened out or <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have the guts to get added. And I'm so glad because that would have been that would have been a really bad experience. But, what, but that, <laughs> well, God, it would have been a bad experience. Depending on what side you're on, it might have been the greatest thing. <laughs> uh, well, get this. So let me share one more thing, because because this, when I think about how it would have gone, y'all remember I went to Kuwait, and went and I was stationed yeah. at Al Jabbar for uh, for about forty five days. I remember it. If you remember, we used to, you know, we talked about movies all the time, and and of course yeah. all the you know Rocky movies and the Clubber Lang. I think it was Rocky two. Uh, there's a scene where he says. I'm Toddy old jibba jabba, you know, and 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 it's like a, that press conference, right? So I'm gonna tell myself here, but so I, when we were in Kuwait, as we were leaving, they were calling each of us up, and they were giving us that ex the medal for being part of whatever Desert Shield or some or not the Desert. Oh, Shield. the expeditionary. Yeah, yeah, expeditionary or something. And we had a full board colonel. I don't remember his name. Shame, uh, I'm ashamed to say, but he made each of us come up in front of the hundred people there and say one thing in a microphone. He had to say something. <laughs> and I chose to make a play on the name of the base and in my worst clubber laying voice say, Colonel, I'm tidy old jibber jabber. You could have heard a pin drop <laughs> in that auditorium. I, that I walked back with my tail tucked between my legs back to my seat. <laughs> and it was the it was the dumbest, stupidest inside joke, I guess, that no one else got. Uh, I, I felt so bad. I went up to the colonel afterwards and apologized and shook his hand, and make sure he knew I wasn't, wasn't making fun of him. But anyway, we had a lot of good, <laughs> we had a lot of good times. <laughs> so oh, that base talent God. show was one. The other oh, thing, man. so pranks. We loved good pranks. Yeah. Oh yeah. So y'all. So when you hear that, what's the first couple that come to mind? Would whoever? Hey, would, would you mind if I go first on this one? Because because this cracks me up to this day is whenever i think it was a football game that scott really wanted to get to and his yeah. only mode of transportation was troy and yeah. uh, so i i lived on base and uh and i remember troy's car going by because because scott was going to come by and watch the game at my house and uh <laughs> and so here comes troy and scott coming down the road and uh Scott wasn't going to say something that Troy told him to. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, I, I think it was fake Carolina. Where are you from? <laughs> yeah, he, had, he had to call South Carolina the fake Carolina. <laughs> call South Carolina. He goes, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. Then all of a sudden, the, the car goes speeding off. About five minutes later, that car comes back up my street again. It's like, <laughs> where are you from? And eventually, I heard fake Carolina. I the game's going to start. <laughs> so, and then, and then Troy goes, uh, "Hey, and anytime you want, you tell him to make an animal noise, and he'll make it." <laughs> yeah, that was the, the base tour. I, yeah, I feel the base bad tours. Bad. I tried. To, you took him out of the base tour. <laughs> I, I tried to that. open that door, but man, Troy was quick on that that gas pedal. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> he had the he had his instincts down. So the base tour was an infamous one. 
And what, <laughs> what <laughs> there's so many, I'm trying to choose what we want to put out there in the public realm and what we want to keep kind of behind closed doors. But, <laughs> you know, you had to, during the, you know, you know during those days, there was so much, there's a lot of pressure at times based on reporting or data or challenges, certainly with, with the nine 11 overhanging part of our time there in Wichita. I mean, you had to, just like in a year like 2020, you had to really, it was important to maintain that sense of humor and, and, yeah. and lighten things up at times. Right. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. You have to, man, or else you, I mean, you, you'll sit back and be depressed or, you know, the, the pressure will get to you or, you know, it's, you got to keep it. Light. Yes. And we kept laughing. <laughs> Yeah, we had good times, <laughs> notwithstanding. <laughs> we always found something to laugh about. Yeah, agreed. always agreed. And so one other, and I won't go too deep here, but but Bruce, if you remember, both of y'all remember when there was a tornado that came through Hoisington, Kansas, mm-hmm. and we put together a little team to go up to help out the day or two after. And the Air Force couldn't get behind it because of separation between federal and, and whatever that, that jurisdiction is. But so it had to be kind of all volunteers and the Air Force couldn't couldn't get behind it. So all we could do is very informally put an effort together. And so we had a bunch of calls come into the office. And uh, <laughs> so I was I was getting getting the messages and calling them right back without thinking about anything. So <laughs> Bruce <laughs> hands me a message as I came back from a bathroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> It said Airman Pap, and it said extension 4512 on it. And I took it from it. I'm like, great. I got one more volunteer. You know, we got a list of about 25. And I was, I was going to sign them up right there. So, I, you know, I love getting those calls because that, that was one more to the effort. Yeah. So I dial that 4512, and they pick up. And, and I completely didn't even think, didn't even listen to the office I was dialed into. I said, this is Airman Luton returning Airman Pap's phone call. And <laughs> they go, excuse me. <laughs> And I said, yeah, I just got this message that an Airman Pat called me because I'm coordinating such and such. They go, uh, Airman Luton, this is the OBGYN here at McConnell Air Force Base. We don't have an Airman Pat. I'm a bit thick-headed. Uh, I get it naturally probably. But I didn't dawn on me until I cut my eyes over and every both of y'all, especially Bruce, he's red because he has just doubled over. I'm laughing, and uh, I've told that story to some. I'm sure my in-laws, in particular, around a good campfire, was tired of hearing that anecdote. But it is, it is just such a um, funny moment from our time together. You made it special, Scott. <laughs> yeah, man. You turned it from mundane to like that was hilarious. Oh, the time. It's all about you, Babel. <laughs> what was that, Bruce? It's all about you, Babel. Uh, <laughs> that, I that was it. a Troy D. Boozer. Yes. I love it. All right. Well, so before we move, let's see here. I've already thanked you both, and that that came from a very genuine spot. I mean, we're, we're sharing some of the things that made it enjoyable, but the friendships and the fellowship and the and the support that both y'all in particular, not just me, but the rest of the office. I, you know, I bet if we had Wong here and 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 several and and, and certainly um, McCall here and, and others, they'd probably say the same thing. I mean, y'all really were important supporting figures there in, on that team. So, anything else about? your time there or that office or those people or any of those experiences that anything else you want to, you want to share before we move on? I just, I enjoyed it. I told people at the time, I said, I told them it doesn't matter where you go or what you do. You, you'll never have another environment like this. And I, I believed it then. I definitely believe it now. We just had a really good mix of people there. Good mix of personalities. A lot of people like to have fun with us. Uh, sometimes when people didn't want to have fun, kind of drove them along <laughs> to have fun. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do believe uh, in that squadron. We definitely had the, the best office in that squadron um, by far. We got the work done, but we just had fun doing it. So, um, you know, that's yeah. what I would have to say. Just a really good bunch of people, really good bunch of people. So Agreed. Well, well I, I'm going to say this real quick, though. Do you remember... At one way we would uh, pass time was playing stump the dummy. 
<laughs> so you got to explain. Never get you. What's that? How did that work? Well, you had to start off with like a, a, a movie or an actor, actress, something. And you had to connect the two with only uh, so many steps. And nobody, nobody could stump Troy D. Boozer. <laughs> I tried. I come up with the most obscure references, and I've never known anybody more versed in movies and actors and actresses than Troy. <laughs> and I'm terrible at it now. <laughs> I'm terrible at it now. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Stump the dummy. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. <laughs> But. Gosh, where to go from here? So much else. Uh, you know, Troy, our, our weekend golf games, we didn't get to play every week. At least I didn't get to play every weekend. But the group there, yeah. uh, some of the, the, the conversations that followed and, and some <laughs> of the experiences that followed, just a great bunch. Uh, and, Bruce, if you remember, we went to, I think you and I, went to a Chiefs game at Arrowhead. I don't know yep. who went or, or why, how, how exactly we went. And then we also went to, I think, to your dad's home in Colorado for a long weekend. Uh, yes, on both points. It was, uh, that was the only game that I went with my dad to, uh, to a football game. Really? Uh, NFL, and it was Broncos against the Chiefs. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and dad had a spare ticket. It's like, well, Scott, Scott will probably go to that. And uh, will let me. <laughs> oh boy all right that well, was a blast it really was and there and, and tell you if, if you've never been to airhead stadium it just an incredible especially for that game that rivalry that was man is it, palpable at that environment and then of, of course uh troy squadron softball uh, <laughs> you played on the base basketball team I want to say we had a bowling team in in, in squadron intramurals or something. I know we did yeah. a sports day, but gosh, those were the back then. No kids, you know, you could, you could be selfish after work. At least I could. Um, <laughs> that was a whole different ball game. Yeah, but good stuff. All right, so let's talk about transition. You know, if if we hear anything through the conversations we have here at Veteran Voices, it is these transition stories. And, and all of them, you know, while some of them have common threads in terms of challenges or, journey, you know, the different aspects of the journey, you know, each of them are also can be very, real unique. So, Bruce, let's talk about yours first. So, you just, you mentioned you retired April 1st, 2003, I believe. So, yes. what, what did that transition, you know, what did it look like for you? And, and when did you land your first job? Was it was a transition harder or easier? Tell us about it. Oh man, that was, uh, I, I tell you what, that was something. Um, so the transition was, was tough because I enlisted when I was 17, I got out at 37 and I, I didn't know any other life really than the military. And, uh, we, we moved into a house that was bad. So we had to get out of there a lot sooner than we anticipated. We moved up here to Indiana with Andrea's folks for a month and a half, but about five years before I retired, I was taking college. I knew the direction I wanted to go for, for my career, and it was going to be for either a physician or physician assistant. So we were working in that direction, and we had it narrowed down to two places we're going to live. It was either going to be Maine, and that's the place we we're gunning for, or it's going to be South Carolina. And uh, Andre and I prayed hard. It's like, it's like God, we're, we're, we're thick. We're not observant. I, I, we said... Uh, you got to make it clear to us where we're supposed to go. And, uh, and the funny thing is every single door in Maine was shut. There was not one open door. And, uh, we went to South Carolina and within a day and a half, Andrea had a job. We had an apartment. I had the a program that I was going to go to, uh, which was the nurse practitioner program over there at the university. And, uh, so every door was open there and that, that's where we went. It, it was, it was tough. One of the hardest things I had to, uh, overcome was I wanted to grow my hair out and I wanted it to touch my ears. And I didn't care about 3510 anymore. <laughs> but it started to grow out and I just looked like a desperate old guy. <laughs> I was I was in nursing school. I, there was 45 like 22 year old women there. And then I'm in there at, at, at about 40. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so that was tough. But, you know, some of the other hurdles was I didn't know what was uh, afforded me. 
as a veteran or as, you know, what options were there? And uh, the transition assistance program, TAPS, it, it, it might have covered some of that, but you don't retain a lot of it. Right. And uh, so as we struggled a bit, uh, we struggled. Do you want me to stop there as far as transition goes or? Well, what, so what was for you, what was the most, you've already kind of talked about how it was a culture shock because, you know, from 1737, you were in the Air Force. You knew that that structure and that military and, and the, the um, that environment. But other than that kind of shock to the system of, of transitioning into the private sector, what else made it so challenging? It was the, the military. There, there's a hierarchy. There's a chain of command. You follow it. You do what you're told. And then when I got out, that didn't exist. It's like everything I grew up in, you know, all the, the structure that I was used to was gone. And you had people challenging other people. Uh, you know, there's no chain of command. I'm going to go straight from here to the very top and, you know, destroy everybody in the middle. You know, so, and the other thing was uh, I went straight into full-time school. And uh, like I said, we, when I retired, I had four kids. We had three more while I was in school, you know, and then one more after that. And uh, just trying to raise the family, uh, make ends meet. See, it took me that long to become like Troy was whenever he first enlisted. It took me 20 <laughs> years to be to become like him. It's like, I got a family to take care of. I got, I got children here that are relying on. I got to make a living somehow. <laughs> wow. And, and the funny thing is, whenever I was going, uh, when I was retiring, Andre's like, what are you going to do? And I said, well, you know, I thought about it and. I'm either going to be a cabinet maker, I'm going to be a postal office worker, or I'm going to be a marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a reference to Seinfeld? <laughs> That's what Costanza would tell people he was at times. And then that well got beached. And someone goes, Is there a marine biologist in the crowd? <laughs> and everybody looks back at him. He's got no idea what to do. Except looking the blow hole, and that's where he sees Kramer's golf ball. So. <laughs> oh, what a show! What a show! So, so you became a nurse practitioner, is that right, Bruce? Yes. Okay, wow. Came a nurse practitioner uh, for adults and geriatrics. Got my first job here in Indiana. I couldn't find anyone there in uh, Charleston. Uh, until after I left and then I had like several offers, but I started off as a hospitalist, uh, nighttime hospitalist for a year and I was waiting to get into the VA. Well, a uh, position opened up. So I went into a uh, outpatient clinic provider for about four years. And, but my passion was the wound clinic, uh, which is where I work now. I've been there for about four years uh, at the VA wound clinic. It, there's a good bunch of people there as well. Uh, a lot of challenges, uh, but the vets, I understand the vets. I understand their language, the experiences. So there's a, a common bond there that is hard to find. So so like you, Scott and, and Troy, it's uh, went right back and, and serving those who serve uh, and have yep. served. Yeah. So you're, you know, that reminds me and Troy, I'm going to come to you next. And then we'll, and then after we talk through about Troy's transition, we'll get, advice from both of you to our current vets that may be transitioning on their own. But Lornette Vestal came on and, and Lornette was a Navy veteran. He came on a few shows back and he really, you know, I was ashamed I hadn't picked up on this long ago, but he made a great point about how veterans, you know, when they take their uniform off, whether they separate or retire, what have you, they, so many of them keep serving and keep giving back. And it's like, it's just part of, so it's part of the DNA of so many of our, in our veteran community. And it really, you both are still doing it. And that just continue. I, once he made that point to me, I, you know, then you start looking for it. Right. And it, it's just come up and, and been so visible in so many conversations and occasions since. And, and that, that is such a, we need leaders to give back and, and, and whether you're taking care of the veteran community or you're taking care of your fellow man and woman, or you're giving back to your community, we need so much of that. And both of y'all, do that in spades. What about, um, so Troy, let's talk about your, your transition a bit. What was that like? Was it more or less challenging? And, 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 um, you know, how did it go? What was your first job out? So it was, um, there was a bit of a challenge there. It wasn't too bad, at least for me, kind of like, like Bruce was, you know, God really, really, uh, showed us the way. So, uh, uh, we, we, <laughs> it was so funny, man, because there was a, a lot that really, really could have gone wrong. <laughs> And, and just certain things that we just didn't see, 
you know, coming from the military, I, I didn't join the military until I was 22. So I had had a little bit of exposure to, you know, very little exposure to, you know, working outside the military. So, you know, once I first got here, took a little bit, first job that I got, it was very frustrating uh, because the, the it, I mean, it, it was beneath my skill set. So that was the difficult part of it. And I was looking at the stuff they wanted me to do. And I'm like, this is this is all you want me to do? You know, and it, it, that part was tough. I eventually ended up getting into the banking system because I'm here in the Charlotte area. And that's just what, you know, it's a it's a it's a banking, you know, banking city. And uh, a lot of the jobs revolve around the banking system and all these kind of stuff. So I think the first job I got was with uh, Wells Fargo. They hired me as an analyst, so I was excited, going to be an analyst. And, you know, they sat me down with these reports and they said, look, you really got to analyze these reports. You have to make sure everything is capitalized and the punctuation is right. And I'm thinking to myself, that's proofreading. That's not really analysis. <laughs> you know, but that's what you're going to pay me for. And then I, I guess I, you know, go with that. But it wasn't until I caught on with Bank of America to where my, my skill set was really, really challenged. And uh, but it took a took a couple of years for me to get to that point. But most of most of my transition was frustrating simply because I had amassed a certain skill set and that skill set wasn't being used at all. So I think that was the biggest frustration that I had. Yeah, you know, for a long time there in the in the post nine eleven era, veteran joblessness was a big challenge, unemployment completely. And it's been it's been neat to see corporate America get real serious with some action behind it to not only hire veterans, but veteran spouses. However, what it can, has continued to linger is what, what you're describing, Troy, is the, the underemployment. The underemployment is such a, and, and, and there's, there's a variety of reasons for it, I'm sure. Um, you know, so many, non, so many non-veterans, you know, we don't understand terminology or experiences or can't quite figure out where they'd fit in. You shy away, and so you don't make the offer or you put them in maybe a position a couple rungs down from where they should be. Uh, we interviewed a combat veteran uh, a few few weeks ago. He uh, staff sergeant army, two tours, one Iran, one Afghanistan, purple star and bronze star uh, recipient. And mm-hmm. the only job he could get when he got back after even applying the fast, you name it, he applied everywhere. Was on his first day of showing up at this nonprofit, they signed him to watch kids in a bouncy house. And for him, that was that eureka moment where, you know, I, I led men and women in combat, right. you know, making life or death situations, managing millions of dollars of equipment, you know, in high stress situations. And I come back here and and not only do this, but it's like starting all over again after you've already proved yourself in uniform. So that that challenge is real. And and hopefully through these conversations, you know, more folks are becoming aware of that. So, Troy, what what uh, so in the banking industry was your first job out of the Air Force? Is that right? Uh, no, I actually worked for a, a different company that did uh, a lot of uh, provisioning for, you know, mailing supplies and stuff like that. So that gotcha. was my first job. All right. So, and we'll touch on what you're doing now, a couple of different ways here, right before we close. But I want to, both of y'all, if you would, you know, when you think about that transition and, and if you could have the opportunity to speak directly to, you know, veterans, whether they, you know, have, have, you know, maybe the military is all they know and they're getting ready. Maybe, maybe they're approaching their terminal leave or, or maybe they're already started out and they're experiencing some of the challenges that, that the three of us have been speaking to. What's some, what's some advice and, and Troy, let's stay with you here. What, what's a couple pieces of advice that you'd give veterans that are making that transition? So number one, I would, I would say narrow your focus, get you some options, but, but don't be so broad in your options. Kind of know what you want to do have a good idea of what you want to do and and definitely know what you don't want to do. <laughs> you know, I, I would say, make sure you have options. And uh, I mean, I, what Bruce was saying about the TAPS, uh, you know, I, I thought the TAPS uh, system was kind of too broad. So it doesn't help as much as, you know, most would think it does. It just, and, and it's really not geared to, to be able to be specific enough, but for guys that are getting out, narrow your focus, do a lot of research. Know what it is that you need because a lot of these, a lot of these jobs that you might want, uh, really only need you to have a certification as opposed to having a four-year degree, uh, especially nowadays. So um, if it, if it requires a certification, put yourself in a position to be successful uh, just by narrowing your focus a bit. 
Wow. Bruce, just like the sage advisor that Troy was when we were on active duty with him <laughs> back in Wichita, right? This is yeah. this is the trusted oh, yeah. counsel. Uh, seriously, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> so, Bruce, same question. And that, that's a sincere compliment, Troy. That, that's the person you are. Same question to you, Bruce. You know, if you had the opportunity to to, to help those that, that are facing their transition, what, what are what's some advice you'd have? I, I'd say one is it's good if you have a support system, people that you can listen to, uh, take in uh, wisdom uh, and advice. For the, for me, that was my wife, Andrea, and I have to give the glory to Christ, though, because uh, no matter where I walked, I never walked alone. And no matter what I did, you know, if, if I failed, he was there and he picked me back up. And my wife, Andrea, gave me so much guidance and wisdom, and uh, she really helped me realize my full potential, I, I believe. Uh, and the thing is, have a good support system. And the other one is to know some of your resources. One thing I had no idea about was the VA. And, uh, you know, I know I had a bad rap initially back in like 70s and 80s and whatnot, but I didn't know a thing about it. And there's a lot of veterans that come in there that didn't know anything about the VA, but there's so many resources available there. There was a Vietnam vet. Uh, he was in theater, I think, twice. Diabetes and a bunch of other health issues that he had. Zero percent service connected. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So sit down and, and then talked with him a little bit, told him what he needs to go do. And he came back and uh, he finally got service connected. Seventy five percent for diabetes exposure to Agent Orange. Wow. wow. And there's, you, you know, whenever I got out, I went to voc rehab with a disability, 30 yeah. percent uh, or more you can qualify for that. And they really helped me out. I, I didn't, I, you know, I, like I said, I tried to get out of the analysis field, but I, uh, other than being a postal worker, I didn't know how to do that, but they really helped me see that it just, as far as that really the sky's the limit. And I, I had one vet, he went into uh, voc rehab and he was making biker jewelry and they helped him realize that and many, many other successful stories of people who didn't know what to do. But once they got hooked up to that source as a veteran, there's a lot that is afforded to you. So if you don't know where else to go, just start looking at the VA because they are connected to a bunch of other agencies that can help veterans out, find employment, to find a career, to change careers. So support and knowing your resources and extend using them. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 uh, if I could just add to what y'all both have shared, because it keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. Hey, if you need help, raise your hand. There's nothing yes. wrong with that. Yep, um, yep. You know, get the help when you need it. Don't wait and wait and wait and let the bad things happen. Find good people like these two people or, or find, go find a VA, but make sure you let folks know you need help. Um, all right. So Troy, I'm, I'm real excited. I've had the opportunity through phone calls of catching up through the years to, to uh, track some of your extracurricular activities. And, and I might be more excited than you are about what you're doing now. Um, so tell us, tell us with Living Waters World Ministries, what's, what's this journey you're on? So we, we started this, uh, I want to say back in 2008, got a call, called a ministry. I, I knew I was supposed to be in ministry from the time I was like, eight. just kind of ran too. from it for a while. <laughs> kind of steered away from it for a while, but eventually you got to come back to it. And uh, we started um, with uh, conference calls, uh, men's conference calls. And it kind of just went from there until, you know, full-blown ministry. So what Living Waters really stands for, what, what we really do, we're not a church, we're a training facility. And we train on various aspects of ministry. We specialize in discipleship um, because we saw that was a need in the body. We have great church services. We have great speakers. We have uh, a lot of people that can draw other people, but what we lack is discipleship. So we're here to fill that gap. So we, we have a lot of different classes. Uh, we have a lot of conferences. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, uh, Zoom calls just like this. We do we do a Bible study every Tuesday night on a Zoom call. We, we, we actually have a lot going on. Uh, so my wife and I are really big in discipleship. We're really big into, you know, different things like that and seeing people grow spiritually, spiritually mature, as opposed to just kind of sitting in a church service, just kind of hanging out and doing your part. We actually want to empower people to do exactly what it is God has called them to do. So that's really what, you know, 
the nuts and bolts of uh, Living Waters World Ministry. Love that. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to give up any plans, but one of these next, this maybe this next phase is uh, a campus uh, is in the future, right? Yes, sir. So we're in the process now of looking for uh, about 25 acres of land. We're going to build. Uh, we're going to build a facility there. We're actually going to have a pastors' retreat on the facility. So, so uh, a lot of times when church leadership they get kind of tired and worn out, we give them a place to come uh, where they can just hang out. This will make you happy, Scott. It will have a fishing pond on it. I know you remember <laughs> the fishing story. <laughs> it will have a fishing pond on it, and uh, we, we, you know, we're kind of, kind of, you know, looking for that and seeing you know exactly where god wants us to place that and uh so we've been we've been on the hunt for about 25 acres that's the minimum if i could get about 30 to 35 acres that would be great awesome wow it, that's awesome. Right around, it is it really is and it's right around the corner and i couldn't think of a of, of a of a better leader building oh, out what you're doing hey i mean that really from a very genuine spot we, we've seen you in action formally and we've seen you in action <laughs> when you weren't necessarily um a fit in your formal role right and serving right. others and and it just it, it's part of who you are so I'm, I'm excited about that and we'll bring you back on uh really soon to check up on the journey so bruce uh you've kind of shared a little about what you do now and about your family but you know what's next anything that y'all are working towards any do you plan on being in indianapolis for you know is that where y'all are going to settle down you think for the long haul uh, no, um, uh, right now with the, with the kids, we have, uh, Andrea's mom to consider, uh, in her health. She just, uh, lost her dad here, uh, last, last year. I have, uh, my, my son's in the air force. He's carrying on the, the family business <laughs> and, uh, and we have a couple of them that are coming up One seventeen, She's getting ready to graduate. She's in her junior year right now. So at least to provide some stability there, but I think our heart is to go back to South Carolina, or as Troy called it, fake Carolina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have some friends there, and I don't know why this this I, I did not I did not think about this, but but they live in Waxhaw. They're, they're attached to Wycliffe Ministries there, and we go there uh, every so often to to hook up with them. But man, alive! If I'd have been thinking, I, I should have given you a, a shout there, Troy. Waxhaw's uh, not far from me at all. No, no. And whenever it's like, I, I don't know why I didn't think about that. <laughs> I mean, it'd be awesome to to sit down and just see you again. Yeah, it would be. But, but eventually, I mean, I'm 55 now. I got about 10 years before I'm, I'm like done. But I, I think eventually we're going to head back to South Carolina. Well, you know, you can call me too, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I do. No, uh, I've been trying to tell, explain to people, Bruce, since the day you looked at me and said, Scott, I figured out what you remind me of now. You're a perfect mix between Kurt Russell and the chicken hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and as I've shared that with folks through the years, a couple of them have looked at me really hard and said, I know exactly what Bruce Gillen was talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, I forgot about that. You forgot about that. I knew I, I yeah, I, I figured you had. Well, guys, this is this is really I I hate the I wish I wish everyone cared about our stories as much as I do. Uh and, and we do a five hour episode, but I really admire both of you. Uh and that comes from the most genuine spot. I admire what you do, the people you are. It's like y'all got some fans at, at home as well. But man, we need more people like Bruce Gillen and Troy Boozer and, and the country be better off. The world be better off. And I just, I can't tell y'all how much I am grateful that for two years of my life, I got to hang out with y'all every day and bounce my own issues off of y'all and get guidance and whatnot. So you're great people. Thanks so much for joining us here. Let's make sure though, how can folks, Troy, especially for you, as your business continues to grow, how can folks connect with you if, if they've got any questions about uh, your organization? So you can you can check us out. I mean, we're on we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Best place to find us is you can go to h20live.org. And if you want to connect with us uh, in any other way, you can reach us at info at h20live.org. And uh, we're, we're pretty responsive to the emails. We get to them fairly quickly and uh, reply back to them. So if you want to know what we're about, what we believe and all that kind of stuff, you go to the website. 
And if you had any other questions, you can shoot us an email. We'll get back to you. Outstanding. And Troy, you and I both know the answer to the question. I'm going to ask Bruce about how to get in touch with him. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck is the response. But <laughs> Bruce, if folks do have any questions about what you've learned or, or the VA or anything, uh, you know, you can direct them my way and I can judiciously share those with you if, the, if that's part of the best approach. I, I can give you my, uh, my email address over there at the VA. Go right ahead. Since I spend so much time there, it's uh, Bruce.Gillen, G-I-L-L-E-N at va.gov and uh and i just let you know it's i i am a card carrying introvert and if, if i if i make more than so many you know reach outs per year i lose my card <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah i do too i i do too and hey troy and bruce a pleasure man so awesome we're gonna do this again we're gonna have to grab in holland and ryan oh. parents <laughs> and claudel and and really really and maybe we don't record the next one but it would be such yeah, a, such a, a <laughs> all right well thanks thanks so much to both of you troy boozer and bruce gillen and to our audience hey hope thanks for sticking with us this far this was really uh, special for me and these are two special people to me and in my journey and i've learned so much from these individuals and hopefully you've picked up on, on some of what they had to share uh, a lot of life, life lessons there so Hey, on behalf of our entire team here at Veteran Voices, check us out, subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. Hey, if you're a veteran and you got a story to share or, or experiences or your transition story, reach out. We're everywhere across social, Twitter, whatever Instagram is, I don't know, uh, LinkedIn, you name it, reach out. We'll get back to you. We'd love to feature and spotlight your story here. And uh, on behalf of our entire team, Scott Luton signing off here, challenging you the same way we challenge our team. Hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, in fact, be like Bruce Gillen and Troy Boozer. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody.